Joker to Richard Herring. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Leicester Square Theatre. We're back. This is where we belong this week. We're never going to the Bloomsbury again. Uh, uh, <laughs> two weeks time. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the show that all blackjacks and fruit salad chews are calling AI Ottoma. It's recorded live, it's unedited, and it's totally... Uh, <laughs> it's a show where anything can happen. Last week, you may remember, I killed God, which um, caused some consternation amongst the religious communities, I have to say, but I should point out that I only killed one of the gods. There are still plenty more to choose from. The god I killed, apparently, was the Methodist god. So, um... <laughs> If you're Methodist, sorry about that. Uh, you're gonna have to change allegiance. Uh, allegiance, I don't know. Maybe go uh, for the Baptist one. Uh, personally, I've never really been able to tell those two apart, to be honest. So uh, it's the same thing, really. I, I want to make it clear to any Muslims listening that your Muslimic God, whatever he is called, <laughs> is still alive. He's doing fine, and for my money, he's the best one of all the made-up gods. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not trying to create any trouble here. That is definitely a Christian God that has gone. Uh, for those of you uh, who don't know what As It Occurs To Me is, probably the best way to catch up and explain it is to play you the trailer of the upcoming Hollywood blockbuster that everyone's talking about. Uh, all about the shady and underhand way that As It Occurs To Me began. It's been Americanized a little bit. It's all different American actors playing the parts. You've probably seen the trailers for it. It's called The Social Leper. <laughs> He's a creep, he's a weird... This fall, see the story of the biggest internet phenomenon of the 21st century. I, I, I need to do something substantial to gain the attention of the TV executives. But, but why, Richard? Because I, I, I want to be on the telly. Please, let me be on the telly. I, I just want to be on the telly. <laughs> The vision of one washed-up comedian who couldn't get any paid work, so decided to just do it all for nothing. You know, people want to go on the internet and hear comedy with the swear words in it and inaccurate impressions of Scotch people and, and with, with none of the mistakes edited out, so why don't we give them that? Because you're not funny and you're a weird nerd with no friends and you're sitting in a high-backed armchair. <laughs> Less talking, more dancing from you. Uh, oh, oh, look what you made me do on my semi-circular toilet mat. This is your fault. Your fault! Did I tell you to stop dancing? I'm talking about taking everything I've done this week and, and putting it in a comedy show. But won't that be boring? No, no. No, no, of course it won't. No, it, you know, just the other day, I, I passed a motorcycle clothing shop. After just one week, the show had exceeded all expectations. You got four hits in two hours. Four. T. Four T hits. It's, it's already the most successful internet-based stand-up and sketch show of all time. Yeah, it's the only internet stand-up and sketch show. Did I tell you to stop dancing? <laughs> And the money just kept rolling in. I, I don't believe it. We've made an average weekly fee of $85.11 each. $85.11 isn't cool. You know what's cool? $86.11. Shut up, Justin Timberlake. What are you even doing in this film? You, you're nothing to do with it. Who are you meant 
they're all handsome. Dan Tetzel, don't think so. Oh, no. But there was a cloud on the horizon. Hey, you stole my idea. No, Tiny Andrew, I didn't. <laughs> Your idea was to do a comedy podcast. Podcast? <laughs> yeah, it's difficult. In and I'll go back. Hurry up, I'm forgetting my No, accent. Tiny Andrew, I didn't. Your idea was to do a comedy podcast in an attic. I am doing it in a theater. It is different. I'm gonna sue you for every penny you've got. Aside, I won't be able to. <laughs> Legally, I don't have a leg to stand on. I'm totally bluffing. Tiny Andrew Collins, he's causing so much trouble. We're gonna have to kill him. You can't kill me. Without my aside joke, the whole enterprise will fail. Aside, it won't. No one would even notice I've gone. The social letter in cinemas now. Life is like a roulette wheel. What say we give it a spin? With Al Pacino as Lembit Opic. <laughs> hey, Heron, you do the mispronouncing of the word pumpkin, and I'll do the jokes. Capish? As it occurs to me. Correct to applaud. <laughs> you can tell that is going to be a great film because you can tell the whole, they tell the whole story in the trailer. That is the sign of how you know that the film is good because you see the whole film. But, uh, you know, I couldn't make this show on my own. I need some meat puppets to say the words I've written down. Who they are is largely irrelevant. Actors are ten a penny. They exist only to fulfil the jaded sexual needs of producers and directors, and very occasionally, if they don't understand how things work, writers and comedians. Which uh, is why no one realises or cares if you kill one and leave it out by the bins. But uh, <laughs> as it happens, the easily replaceable and expendable marionettes and human pumpkins who join me each week are Dan Tetzel, TV's Emma Kennedy, and on the guitar, Christian Riley. Thank you. Hi, Dan. Hello. What, Hi. Has, what has occurred to you this week? Uh, uh, my self-esteem's taken two terrible blows. Uh, one, my toddler daughter pointed at the X Factor on television when uh, that man Wagner was singing and said, Daddy. <laughs> That's quite insulting. Um, <laughs> and uh, I also... But I, chillingly accurate. Chillingly like, accurate, you know, yeah. yeah it was, it was a bit something. of a, sort of a kick to the head, but <laughs> it, so it was a call to, you know, to sanity. I also uh, found a floppy, I got a floppy disk drive and finally went through those floppy disks I've been carrying around for 15 years and they had uh, my university essays on them and I, I thought, oh, these would be interesting to, oh, oh God, oh, I'm, oh, I'm an idiot. Oh, I, I, I was an idiot, I've written to a certain extent. What, they, what? And the, the title, From Unity to Disarray, Workers Theatre, 1930 to 1970. Awesome. Uh, the Roots of Punch and Judy in the 18th century working class experience. Oh, oh. You'll like this one down the front. Race, Propaganda and Street Theatre in the Third Reich. It's true, it's absolutely true. And jokes at their most tendentious. The humour of Roy Chubby Brown and Andrew Dice Clay from a Freudian perspective. <laughs> Fucking embarrassing. 
<laughs> there can't have been much in that essay about street theatre in the Third Reich and their puppets in the Third Reich. They're just, well, it wasn't really Do you really want to get into it? The theory was all right. They're just the, the writing style was slightly gnomic. <laughs> How about you, Christina? What has occurred to you? That's the, I'm using the name of the show. What has occurred to well, you? Well, I went to see, uh, even this time last year, I went to see a dinosaur rock band called Y&T. Yeah. They came round again. I went to the, did you go and see them? No. Some, okay. <laughs> Okay. I like them, not that much. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was great. And uh, there, was, there, was this, there was this moment in the toilet where um, they played a big song. In they were, is that they're quite... Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not that big a band then, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they played a really big song and yeah. it was time for a piss break, you know, because they were playing a bit of filler. And the song was called Rescue Me. It's like a, it's like a classic anthem. And so we're all at the urinal, it's kind of, you know, you could smell patchouli oil, it's kind of tense, you know, Grebo guys, you know, and then somebody went, how fucking good is Rescue Me? <laughs> and went, yeah, yeah, really good, you know, it really broke the tension, but it's not funny. <laughs> None of that's funny. You, you talked to me that what occurred to me. And then did you go, um, should we... Shall we go, go in the go cubicle and back in the... I've got a... I've got, there's a semicircular mat in there. Look. There we go. And Emma, has anything yes. amusing happened to you? I, don't well, know, I, don't know, I keep forgetting to say to Christian, don't just pick <laughs> yeah. two minutes from the week and just say yeah. what happened in them. Yeah. Try and think of something that was funny. Yeah. Have you got yeah. one of those? Well, I was funny when you were there, though. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do anything about that guy over the, there that didn't go. He's yeah, completely robbed himself. You just play the guitar. None of us can do that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I've taken up cycling and yeah and I got myself a, a proper racing bike two days ago and it's like sitting on a knife a very sharp <laughs> knife and I am saddle sore in places that I actually didn't know existed and I've looked into this because I've, I've, I've got some very tender areas <laughs> down here that actually haven't got a name. <laughs> and so I went on Twitter today to see if I could find out what, where my, what my sore bits are called. And people were saying, you know, is it your bajingo? No. Is it your vajayjay? No. Is it your clackalackadakdak? No, it's not there. Is it your chocolate wazoo? No, it's not there. Is it your perineum? No, it's not there. It's the area east of the pouch of Douglas, but west of Biffin's Bridge. There is no name for it. It's like we've discovered a new species. So I've called it my vajizzle bizzle. If any of you have got any suggestions, because it is, it's brand new. It's a brand new area that has never been named. So if you want to send me your suggestions for what the sore saddle area in my lady secret garden is called, then, then please write in. Phil Jupiter's has already suggested it just be called Mrs. Beaton's Nook. <laughs> We should name after you, Emma. It should be called the Emma Kennedy's area. Yeah, yeah it should. Oh, and I can do a quick poo anecdote. Someone's, oh, good. Thank God for that. Yeah. Someone sent me one today. Uh, <laughs> You're like the Nigel Reese of poo. Yeah, you I, know, I know. Someone walked into the foyer uh, of a theatre in Yorkshire and to see a tramp just shaking his, his leg and a poo came out of the bottom of his trousers. <laughs> People send me this shit. <laughs> this, this tramp efficiency, that's good. Well done. 
<laughs> anyway, let's see what has occurred to me this week. Thursday. Uh, I was surprised, uh, but rather flattered. I was sent a link by someone on, on Twitter to a to recruitment news website which genuinely revealed quite a change of direction for my career. This is what it said. Vault names Richard Herring as managing director. Vault's European Staffing Business Unit of Vault Information Sciences, Inc. has announced the promotion of Richard Herring to managing director. Mr. Herring will be responsible for Vault staffing operations in Europe and Southeast Asia. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm very flattered to be offered that. I mean, that is... Uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a change in direction for me. I mean, I, know, I thought I had to do it. I, I was sad to be leaving behind comedy just as things seemed to be taking off for me a little bit. But, you know, I felt if Vault had put their faith in me and thought I could do that, then I'd have to give it a go. It's no Ealing Council, I'll give you that, but <laughs> I'll do my best. Friday. So I went into my first day at work at Vault Information Scientists Inc. Um, hello, can I help you? Yeah, I'm Richard Herring. I'm the new managing director. Where is my office? Um, sorry, I don't really... Actually, I don't tell any of the proper people who work here. Proper people? You know, the, the businessmen, not the receptionists like you. The proper people. Don't tell them, but I don't really know what goes on here at all. And what is information sciences exactly? I've never um, heard of it. Um, who are you? I'm Richard Herring. I'm the new managing director, so you might want to treat me with a little bit more... Sorry, what's going on here? Oh, Mr Herring, yes? um, this man's claiming to be you. <laughs> he wishes. <laughs> Who are you? I am Richard Herring. Oh, my God, how about how? It's like a mirror has been placed between... I am Richard Herring. Do you think we're clones? Because I saw this brilliant film last no, week. No, and, um, no, we're, we could... we're obviously not clones. We, we don't look anything like each other. You've just got the same name, haven't you? Oh, oh... Oh, right, so you're the new managing director. Yeah. Oh, yes. that kind of makes a lot more sense mm -hmm. now. I, I explained, because I was wondering why I hadn't got a letter or anything. I mean, it was quite a lot that I, the chances I would just see that on the website were quite uh, unlikely, really. I don't really look into that. I don't, mm -hmm. Hey, I, I, you know, the thing is, I've given up, I've given in my notice as a comedian now to come and do this. So I can't. Okay, yeah. um, I don't suppose we could just share the job anyway, do the... I don't know what you do exactly as a ma manager director, but maybe we could help it and well, share I, I the look money. look after the staffing for our European and Southeast Asia businesses. <laughs> yeah. I could help you look... I could look after the staffing no, Southeast no, let's, Asia. No, obviously not. That would be, that'd be silly. Well, OK. Uh, well, no, maybe you know, all's not lost, because maybe I could turn this right. into a kind of comedy thing. Maybe I could... Maybe if I went around the world meeting all the Richard Herrings, I could do a show about... <laughs> Yeah, uh, Dave Gorman did that already. Oh, really? Why would he want to meet all the Richard Herrings? That, is, that is, seems... <laughs> As it occurs to me, Richard Herrings one of those guys who do comedy, who I will always really want to like but can't because it's not that funny. You may know I've, I've given up looking at the iTunes reviews now, the one-star reviews, but I've, I've been just Googling myself and, and trawling the internet. That came from Mobson7 on the Radio 4 message board, a message board I really wish that I hadn't discovered, I have to say. It's a <laughs> That's one of the more charming of just complete criticism of my new show, Richard Herring's Objective, that went out on Thursday. Unlike most internet-based maniacs and lunatics, uh, Mobsin7 demonstrates a rare and clever subtlety there by explaining how much he wants to like me, but even so, he can't like me. That is clever. It undermines me much more effectively than pure abuse. So you trolls, come out from under your bridges and hail Mobsin7 as your king or queen. Wednesday. 
And the big news this week was, of course, the successful rescue of all 33 Chilean miners who were plucked out of the earth by a gigantic cock-shaped rocket. Uh, <laughs> amazing way to go. You would have had to have a heart made of stone not to feel a te- tear in your eye as the first miner returned from this living hell safe and sound. But by the time it got to Miner 15, I can't have been alone in thinking that the whole thing would have been a bit more interesting if something was going to go wrong. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure all the journalists wanted that, and whoever had bought the film rights to the story definitely wanted that. A fraying cable or a monster to come out or something. But I think even the first 14 miners must have been thinking it, thinking it a little bit, don't you? They'd get a bigger cut of the pie, a bit more of a story if the others didn't make it up. Uh, and to be honest, so did you, didn't you? You can pretend you didn't, but you hoped that some, not something life-threatening, maybe, just something to... Because we've been raised on reality TV that throws in some surprises and some twists. The whole thing was just too efficient and successful and no one got humiliated. If nothing else, uh, one of the miners could have come out with a pterodactyl or something, couldn't he, on his back? Uh, The Chilean president was on hand to greet the first miner. What an amazing publicity coup for him. Though if it had been me, I'd have been fighting the urge to push that miner back down the hole again. It's incredible to be back in the open air again. I'd like to thank God, my rescuers and the president. Why did you do that, El Presidente? Because it's funny. It was so unexpected. After all that effort and the brilliant PR for me. You know, I came from Italy originally. But uh, for me to push him. It was hard to become president of Chile. And to push him straight back down again. I'll have a margarita, please. Thank you. Comedy's all about surprise. There can be nothing more unexpected than his pointless and self-defeating act. A boom. <laughs> I stayed in character all the way. The next day, I was watching footage of my the final miner coming up, boringly unharmed. Yeah, maybe psychologically. Where's the fun in that? <laughs> when my non-imaginary girlfriend joined me. Uh, you may remember how her uh, naive questions about the World Cup, and that helped me through the second series of A-Artima, but... Uh, A-Artima. Uh, I think she might actually be an alien visiting the planet to learn about our kind, because she seems to not know anything about the planet Earth or have any human emotions. Uh, she hadn't watched any of the previous coverage, and she seemed unmoved by the miners' plight. Pl- the only thing she said was... Why is he wearing sunglasses? I mean, surely it must have been dark enough to- it's brilliant. I mean, that, she genuinely said that. It's more gold from my strange non-fictional alien girlfriend. Uh, I tried to front it out. I said, he's just one of those annoying blokes who thinks it's really cool to wear sunglasses wherever he is. But she didn't believe me. She just said... So, um, when are we going to get married, then? <laughs> All those miners are marrying their girlfriends, even the ones who are already married to other people. We- when are you going to marry me? Or, preferably, Emma Kennedy. Damn that bloke from the Westfield! Why is he open this can of worms up? Richard. Yes. <laughs> during the first half, yeah. I had a call from my mother. This is absolutely true. She's in Seville on holiday. Nice. And she said, I've had another dream about Richard Herring. <laughs> and the regulars will, will remember her first dream about Richard Herring, which was really wrong. <laughs> and she said, I was on my knees in front of him. <laughs> begging him to marry you. Well, I, know, I think out of the two, I think I might have to... Where I thought that was going, and you thought it, didn't you? 
By Friday, all that was left to do was report on the aftermath of the, of the mining disaster. Now, I'm pretty sure all the journalists must have had some kind of training for this job because there were, there were a lot of problems to avoid embarrassing mistakes. Right, everyone. Now, obviously, we're reporting on an important and serious story, and we don't want to accidentally make people laugh by an ill-chosen phrase. There are certain pitfalls to avoid. Yeah, good. <laughs> Good, you spotted it. The first pitfall in this instance is, of course, using the word pitfalls. Now, there, was been, there has been quite a serious actual pitfall. That's really what this story is all about. So to refer to metaphorical pitfalls would be inappropriate. But the other big concern is that the word miners has two meanings. It can refer to miners, people who mine, or miners, young people who are not yet adults. So please take care in your reports and avoid creating a rich seam of comedy. Rich seam! Rich seam! Is this thing on? But uh, the reporter on the ITV news on Friday, lunchtime, must have been concentrating so hard on not using the word miners in a sentence where it would be misconstrued as miners that he tripped up in a different way. All the men are in remarkably good health. A couple of them are being kept in for observation, but the others are suffering from minor complaints. Oh. <laughs> You could see in his face he was immediately thinking... Oh, cockles. Oh. I forgot the other meaning of mine. Oh, what, a, what an enormous prick. But he just... But he just said... Back to the studio. <laughs> Meanwhile, everyone at home had, who had seen the report was coming up with actual minor complaints and what they might be. I know I was. Here's, here are some of mine. Yeah, mine. Mine. This thing on. Um, so the minor complaints. This pickaxe is not quite sharp enough. Oh, it's so difficult to keep my clean clothes, clothes clean. Oh. <laughs> Cockles. I, I hate it when people keep making a joke based on minor. One who minds sounding like minor, a young person. Oh, I preferred it when we were in the mine. Oh. <laughs> oh, as it occurs to me. Not suitable for miners. Oh, I hate that. Thursday. Hack in July on the way back from the Latitude Festival. I somehow managed, even though it was a traffic jam all the way, uh, to get caught by a speed camera. Uh, I, I had the choice of adding three points to my licence, which already has nine on there, more or less, uh, or attending a speed awareness course. I opted for the latter, sensibly, even though I'm actually aware that speed exists. So I, didn't tell, <laughs> I didn't tell them that. I thought I could be a step ahead of the rest of the people there. Um, so on Thursday I had to travel to Ipswich. I decided to go by train uh, in order to prevent myself picking up three points whilst in the process of travelling to Ipswich to nullify the three points I already have. It would be a shame to go to Ipswich for no reason. I have to tell you, Ipswich is it's the worst place in the world. It may just be my own personal uh, experience of this. Back in July, before the Latitude Festival, on my, I've been to Ipswich for my birthday. I wanted to go uh, to, uh, to see some uh, archaeology nearby. And, uh, and, but on the 11th, we went and had some food with my, girl, my real girlfriend. And uh, the morning of the 12th of July, I was just, I had food poisoning, or maybe it was just, I was in Ipswich, and I was vomited for four or five hours. And that started... Uh, with I, I got up really early in the morning and I had really bad diarrhoea and I went to the toilet and, was, and, there was some, and then I realised I was going to be sick but I didn't have time to flush the toilet the sick came so quickly so I was sick on my own diarrhoea and I tell you if, you if you want to be sick that is a good way to be sick to be sick on your own diarrhoea if you weren't sick already 
That is my memory of Ipswich. That was the last time I was there. And Ipswich was the last place I had an alcoholic drink. I haven't had a drink for 99 days today. That is because of that experience. Anyway, I, I got a taxi from the station on Thursday to the industrial estate where the course was taking place. There was a sign up in the car saying, If you soil the taxi, you will be charged a fee for cleaning. I don't know if that was just there for me. If I had a previous in Ipswich, they knew, here he comes, old sicky McSick. Did you see what he did in that hotel room? I mean, it's fair enough, though, that they, that they have that sign, but uh, ten minutes into the trip, my senses were assailed by a very unpleasant smell. It became clear that the rather corpulent tax dri- taxi driver had farted, <laughs> and my nostrils were being soiled by the odour of his intestines. Did he offer me a discount on the fare for him? No. It's one law for him and another for us, isn't it? Surely there should be a law against taxi drivers farting in their cabs when a customer is in the back. I mean, that, that fart refused to die. It hung in the cab like a, an extra passenger that felt no compunction to contribute to the cost of the fare. I said nothing about it. I was too embarrassed. I did attempt some subtle wafting uh, to no avail. The fart was as close to being solid as a gas can be, but was still gaseous. You couldn't, bu- you couldn't get rid of it. It just stayed in one place. Uh, But when it came to paying up, rather than claiming a discount that I was morally entitled to, I actually gave him a 20% tip. Uh, Not because I'd enjoyed wallowing in his anal vapours especially, (laughs) but because I am weak, so I didn't challenge him. You know, if I had my time again, I wish I had challenged him. If I could turn back time, thanks to AI Ottoma, I can. If I could turn back time, what would I do differently? Oh, 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 if I could turn back time. <laughs> oh, 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 dear. Oh, it, excuse me, taxi driver, can I just ask, uh, have you farted? What? No, no, how dare you? No. Well, someone has farted in this cab and it is not me. Might be outside, it is Ipswich. <laughs> It's not outside, you lying man. It is inside. It has come out of your rectum. And I would like to draw attention to the sign I have hanging from my forehead. Sign? What sign? Didn't you see it on my, as I got in? It's on my forehead. I put oh, it on especially. Oh, hang on. Yeah, there you go. Taxi drivers be warned. If the nasal passage of this passenger is soiled by an anal emission created by you during any taxi journey, then no payment will be incurred and a fee will be charged for nostril cleansing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Surprised I didn't see that. Yeah. Really. <laughs> it was right there. Yeah, it was right on my. Yeah, yeah. You don't like it up, you do you? You hoist with your own petamine. Yeah, I, I, I thank you. Yeah. Well, no, okay, fair enough. Very clever. Um, just one thing I don't get. What is it, my flatulent cabbie? Well, all right. You have seemingly have the ability to turn back time, right? Yeah. But rather than using that power to avoid getting in my cab and avoid the fart altogether. <laughs> You chose to still get into the car. Right? Uh, well, yeah, to teach you a valuable lesson. I know, but this way, you, you know, you might get a free journey, but you still get assailed by the guff, and that is a... I mean, even for me, that is a bad one. I'd admit that now. So, I mean, if you have... I mean, God, you can chew it. Now, if you have... If you have the ability to turn back time, why don't you travel back to July, stop yourself speeding in the first place, so you don't even have to come to Ipswich? 
Or, back to the 1920s so you can kill Hitler. I mean, at least back to my supper last night, tell me not to eat those beans. Well, I thought it was better to teach you a lesson. No, I'm afraid, I'm afraid to tell you, time travel is wasted on you, mate. You have, a, you have a paucity of ambition that would embarrass even Gary Sparrow. <laughs> Oh boy! Oh, oh no! It's Sam Beckett just lent into your body there. I don't, I don't know what you mean. Where, where am I, Al? And what's that smell? Ziggy says. There's a ninety. Oh, there's a ninety. Oh God! No, no, I can't. I, even I can smell that one. I'm a hologram. I, I'm not even here. Oh God! That. No, sorry. You're on your own. I have to get out of here. Oh. If I could turn back time, what would I do differently? I'd end up in a postmodern conversation with a semi-fictional character that gains self-awareness about the paradoxes of time travel and still inhale a big horrible fart if I could turn back time. Hey, good. The popular if I could turn back time segment. Good, let's go. Fart-based humour. Let's go down. <laughs> Let's go down. Fart, but just is about farts. It's not even based on it. Let's go down into the audience to see what has occurred to our band of misfits this week. So has anyone got a brilliant story to tell us about? There's a man straight up that's worryingly enthusiastic. What's, uh, what's occurred to you, sir? It occurred to me this week... It occurred to me this week... That I was on... That I was on... The A. Artima Podcast! The A. Artima Podcast! <laughs> Fair, more thoughts gone into that than this. <laughs> There's a, I can see a hand over here. I'm getting the name James. Does that mean anything to you? Uh, what was the? Was that someone there? There was a hand up and now it's gone down. <coughs> you one of these fellas who were just stretching out your arm? No, okay. Uh, anyone else? Were you going to do that to the same one? Is that? I've got. Oh shit! He's done my one. <laughs> occurred to me, it occurred to me. Well, well, here we go, so you're nearby. It's not recent, but I've got a turd, tramp turd story. You've got a tramp turd story. I think we'll forgive you that it's not this week, uh, given it, it's same way it's nice. It's not all about shit, this show. Sometimes it is about spunk. Uh, <laughs> yes, what is your story, sir? So it was uh, Wimbledon waiting for a bus, right? Which is outside the uh, centre uh, court, the um, shopping centre. Yeah, shopping centre, the centre court shopping centre, yeah. <laughs> And middle Saturday afternoon, in a corner, trapped, just squatted down, dropped this kex, yeah. and had a shit right in the middle of all this. Yeah, yeah. where's he gonna go? He's <laughs> <laughs> got a house, I see, that's by there. <laughs> when a man has to go, a man has to go, yeah. What's intriguing is if you're a foot off the ground, you're turd like a dog, just sort of. <laughs> Kill uh, are we more upset by the tramp or the, the man the watching, watching the man, the tramp doing a poo, yeah. but obviously crouching beside him doing a scientific experiment? We, we should point out. It was out, fascinating, was it, sir? Good. We should point out for people listening that the, the jet. What's your name, sir? Mark. Mark. <laughs> Mark. Mark sort of indicated that the poo came out like a Mr. Whippy. <laughs> Thank you for that. I once had to do a poo 200 yards from my own flat. So I was, uh, I was walking home and so desperate for a poo that I couldn't even wait the 200 yards. And I managed to sort of get behind a wall and it was, it was massive. 
It was unbelievable. But imagine if someone had seen you do that and then go, but you, you just live up that road. You live, why are you shitting in my, the entrance? You just live up, I just couldn't wait. You live 200 yards from here. I did a poo in a bucket in my garden. <laughs> yeah. You had to do that, you were forced to do that. Oh, uh, for fun. <laughs> God, did what it, have we did it curl up what like a Mr. Whippy? <laughs> 43 years old. Anyone else? Did, let's have a non-poo based uh, anecdote. Uh, if there is no, all the hands have gone down. Everyone had their hand up and then uh, I can't see where. Oh, yes, hello. 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 <laughs> It occurred to you that? No less than three times when I have knocked on my flatmate's bedroom door. No less than three times when I've knocked on my flatmate's door. He has hurriedly done up his fly before answering. He has hurriedly done up his fly before answering. We've heard that through the door. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear it all? Thanks, <laughs> it's a spunk based anecdote which is uh, again, away from the, from the fecal matter. Unless he was doing his shit in there. <laughs> Quickly, hurriedly, let's say he was doing a shit. Who's done the shit closest to their own toilet without it being in their toilet? Because that one is winning so far. I was five metres away. I, I was a long way to go. Has anyone done a shit in the bath one foot away? I'm in the bath now. It'd be a shame to get out just to do a shit. It's a self-cleaning shit. <laughs> well, let's see if we've got on there. So, you know, an achievement, something wonderful that's happened, the birth of a child. There's someone got a light on them there. I don't, I don't want to follow that last one. Anymore. You don't want to follow that last one, not literally. <laughs> no, I, I put my hand down because I did want to say Well, it's all right, done, we've done something else now. You've got to, that's it now. We'll, we'll play some music now. When we edit it, we'll play. No, no, I put my hand down and then Emma points at me anyway. This guy's got a light on me. Yeah. Well, now you now you are duty bound to share. <laughs> you can't retract. You, you can't retract the as it occurs to me. What's are you his flatmate? <laughs> I li you live in Berlin. Is that it? <laughs> Were you there when David Hasselhoff uh, brought, down, brought down the Berlin Wall? Did you throw the firework? No, I didn't. No. Have you been uh, to the Berlin Wall Museum? Yes, I have. Quite nice, isn't it? Have you ever gone to the airport and had a pint of beer, like a big glass of beer and a sausage in a bun? Yes, I have. Really nice, isn't it? <laughs> That's the best airport food I've ever had. So, anyone who says I'm xenophobic against the Germans, remember what I've said on the record. The best big curly sausage and beer came from Germany. And if Churchill had been less pushy, I'm just saying Heathrow would have been better. <laughs> think about it, like. Oh, it's nice. Uh... Thanks for joining in, anyway. Uh... <laughs> we'll take one more. <laughs> Thanks for... Where are you, sir? Hi. Hello. It occurred to me this week. Oh, I think someone different's talking than I'm looking at, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're really good at throwing your voices. Excellent. 
but you know, go, whoever, whoever's talking the loud voice, you know, it occurred. Hello, hi, it occurred to me that I had the lowest voice in the room, and I would like to put out that challenge. I think the next person who speaks has to have a lower voice than me. Yes, sir, what's sorry? Uh, Don't go high now, don't go... Don't try and push it high. Uh, it occurred to me that the main reason I came to see A. Ultima. Yeah, A. Ultima. The main reason I came to see A. Ultima. A. Ultima. In the hope that I might hear a prolonged Dan Tetzel Stuart Lee impression. Oh, you hope you might hear a lot of pretend you won't hear it. It's not going to happen this week. He wants a prolonged Dan Tetzel Stuart Lee impression. We don't. It's not a request show. Not yet. Practically is, but it's not. We see, I was going to do some more Family Fortunes. That was quite good fun. Anyway, remember last week it was good, and that literally happened to me last week. I did a sketch around Stuart Lee. That's what occurred to me last week. So um, we'll take one more as long as there's no poo and it's in a lower voice than that man. Okay, the man I was looking at. It's just because you're. That is a high voice. That's not even trying. Unless you're like one of those folks who you like Alan Ball. You go, oh, no, hello, it's me. Then... <laughs> Because you were talking about pooing. Oh, it's about pooing. When you were four. That, that, that is not. We've just, it's not what's occurred to me this week or sometime I have poo in, any, in my life. That isn't the name of the section. It might become the name of the section. Do you have a story? I, we might do another section. Just about tell us a funny poo story that Emma Kennedy can put in a Nigel Reese book of poo. Is still alive or is he? Yeah, yeah he's alright, it's Mars King to die. Say similar to Je Paul Poulet. <laughs> <No>. uh, <laughs> chicken poo. Uh, sorry, okay. I was in France. You were in France? And I've never seen a B day before. You've never seen a B day, I can see where this is going, eh? Yeah, B day's in Italy, right? I thought it was a toilet, especially. Yeah, of course you thought it was a toilet, didn't you? So I did a poo in it. You did a poo. <laughs> that is. That is hope over that experience that the poo is going to go down the uh, plug hole. I didn't think about that. You didn't think it through, did you? There was a toilet right next to the. So you are, in fact, the man who's done a poo closest to his own toilet. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, anyway, so I've been on this driving course uh, in, uh, in uh, Ipswich, uh, and going to Ipswich for four hours is punishment enough, I have to tell you, for anything. Uh, it, was, it was kind of weird, because it was this sort of feeling of shame, but pride. It, was, it reminded me, going into there, it felt a bit like the occasions when, for research, I've been into sexually transmitted disease clinics. For research. The research is to find out how I can stop my urine really hurting. Uh, apparently is to take uh, antibiotics of some kind and uh, there is that kind of feeling of everyone's a bit ashamed but then also there's kind of pride that you're a sort of criminal there was a 70 year old woman who uh, was the first person to arrive who was like a bit ashamed but also like said oh and I, when I talked to everyone in the family they've all admitted they've been speeding and they never told I never knew anything about it uh, it's quite interesting because the guy who ran it told me that uh, one time They've been a husband and wife, they both, they hadn't told each other that they had speeding fines, they both left the house that morning, going, oh, goodbye, see you again, well, I'll see you tonight. And they both turned up at the same speed. <laughs> which is fantastic. Uh, but uh, they, all the, I was really hoping there would be some, as it occurs to me, gold in this. I really only went to this, I was thinking, this will be good, because I'll get 15 minutes out of this. But it was quite boring, as I said uh, in, the, in the intro in the first half, the people here. It was like a guy for four hours, basically asking us questions 
uh, that he knew we would get the wrong answer with. I did one earlier, I asked the guy where the most accidents happen on a motorway, rural road, or, 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 a town, or a town road, and he said the motorway, which is wrong. That's what everyone thinks. 4% of accidents happen there, you idiot. Uh, and hardly anyone dies. You're moving in the same direction. Think about it, idiot. Uh, <laughs> and mo you know, most people who die on the motorway are run over their pedestrians. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> they run over because they've got out of their car. Don't get out of the car in a motorway. Or if you do, you know, get out of the motorway. Uh, so I'm giving you some useful... I'll give you lots of useful information uh, about it. But uh, all that actually happened. There was a, kind of, there was a younger... Young, two younger separate people there uh, who probably, like, in their early 20s. And uh, they started talking... During the interval, they started... The little break, they started talking... Uh, to each other and they were getting on quite well and I thought that would be quite a nice little play wouldn't it or nice if they met up and fell in love and had a child that child would have only lived as a result of them both having broken the speed limit so actually speeding can create life not <laughs> so you should speed in the hope that I mean I met a 70 year old woman that's about as far as I got she was happy to dance though in front of that chair so <laughs> <laughs> I learned lots of things. If, you know, I thought travelling at 35 miles an hour wasn't that bad. But I was in the 30s. So you've got a 20% chance of killing someone. At, yeah, I'm, I'm to you, Mr. Motorway. Don't know anything about driving. 30% chance of killing someone at 30. 20% uh, chance of 30. 50% at 35. That's something. You're one in two people you hit will be killed. And I, I went and tried that and it was true. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So that was Ipswich Day. It's worth not speeding to avoid. I don't think you all have to go to Ipswich. That would be a it's because I did it near to Ipswich, I think. But that would be quite... If you find out that you have to go to Ipswich, it was a, it was a hellhole. Let's go. As it occurs to me Click, 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 what's that sound? It's Ipswich switching off right now where it would be If the switch had been invented in Ipswich <laughs> Saturday. They are, they are backward, that's what we're saying there. It's hard to believe that adverts could get any worse than they are already, but seemingly every day a new shitter advert comes out, making the Halifax advert where the man tricks his friend into giving him his car keys look like Don Draper's best idea ever. <laughs> the new Nadia of advertisement I saw on Saturday is also weirdly set in a pretend radio studio, which makes me wonder if advertising agencies are involved in some kind of inter-agency competition to see who can create the set shittest advert set in a fake radio studio because it seems odd this new ad I don't know if you've seen it it's got Johnny Vaughan and Lisa Snowman from Capital Radio it's for that a really weird product it's this unappetising looking breakfast biscuit and the way they're trying to convince you that eating biscuits for breakfast is a good idea is by getting Johnny Vaughan to craply commentate on what a bad idea it is it's reverse psychology they're trying to trick you into doing it before, being, before putting too much ketchup on his bacon and egg sandwich, sandwich thus proving that his idea of breakfast is ridiculous. Uh, but the line, this is the worst line I think there's ever been in an advert. It's said by Bourne. I don't know how long it took them to come up with this, but this is the line. Biscuits for breakfast. What's next? Marmalade for lunch? <laughs> is that really the best they could do? I mean, yeah, they're trying to make Vaughan look stupid for not liking biscuits for breakfast, like a normal person would, but... Surely there's something more ridiculous than eating marmalade for lunch. It's not that bad, is it? Unless you're eating right, massive 
handfuls of just marmalade and like stuffing it into your mouth and around your face and when your mouth is bulging full of marmalade you still put more marmalade in it trying to push it past the other marmalade while sitting on the floor masturbating onto the marmalade then picking up the kind of combination of spunk and marmalade and rubbing it into your face and trying to eat that but that would be insane that would be at lunchtime especially but but just eating marmalade at lunch is not... I mean, what about brunch? That's, you'd have marmalade on toast for that. If you want to mock the notion of biscuits for breakfast by mentioning something unlikely, then surely Johnny should have said... Biscuits for breakfast? What's next? Unicorns shitting talking pineapples onto your head? There, yeah, that would be... That would be unusual. That would be happening. And if the client was still insisting the marmalade thing had to be in there, then maybe one of the talking pineapples could then say... Biscuits for breakfast? What's next? Marmalade for lunch? Because, you know, coming from a talking pineapple, that is... That becomes an incredible thing to say, you know, especially if it's come by a fruity portion of unicorn faeces. Uh, Johnny should have taken the advert if they, if they let him take the piss, probably. I think the best thing he could have said was... Those biscuits look like shit. Like the kind of dry, inedible, scurvy-inducing husks you give to convict sailors. That... That would be a better thing. I mean, it wouldn't really promote the product as well, but at least Johnny Vaughan would emerge with some dignity. Johnny Vaughan, if you're listening, I hope you're embarrassed by those adverts, but if you're not, then I feel embarrassed enough for you to ensure that the overall level of embarrassment is correct still. I'm embar- I don't want you to think this is about Johnny Vaughan. I don't have a problem with him, because hundreds of celebrities are doing exactly the same thing. It kind of upsets me to see Johnny Vaughan do it, because I used to like him on The Big Breakfast. He was funny. What happened, Johnny? How did it come to this? Selling your soul to sell biscuits for breakfast. What's next? Selling your grandmother to encourage people to eat marmalade for lunch? <laughs> I suspect Johnny might stick out his chin if, he, if I hear her this and say he doesn't care the advert shit because he did it for the money. And who knows, he might have got a six-figure sum. Who could blame him for taking the job? Me. I could blame him because that makes it worse. The poor saps having to act their way through those awful Halifax adverts are struggling actors who need the money and they deserve it for being able to sing Isa Isa Baby without... <laughs> without blushing or vomiting or slitting their own wrists thinking why has my life come to this but that is proper good acting but Johnny Vaughan he probably makes a million pounds a year on Capital Radio alone how much money do these people need having loads of money should mean you don't have to do hopeless shit like this yet you see little Britain milking the last ounce of cash out of characters that have already made them multi-millionaires why Lionel Richie chucking himself through windows to sell his Chris Johnny Rotten smearing butter down his trousers so he can be fucked up the arse by everyone he claimed to hurt what's what's driving you to do you making money doing what you're doing you don't need to do these shit adverts the press the bet the, bis- the breakfast biscuit ad is so bad i'm hoping out it turns out to be a clever viral ad campaign for capital radio itself I hope, that's the only way i'm going to excuse johnny vaughan if it turns there can't be breakfast biscuits that can't biscuits for breakfast what's next <laughs> Now, continuing the advertising thing, uh, over to Christian Riley for his topical song. Thank you. Yeah. So this week, animal welfare groups slammed Costa Coffee for using monkeys bred in captivity for their new TV commercial, and I wanted to weigh in with a protest song. You 
humans look out there everywhere Monkey baristas got you running scared You took them from their homes and families And brought them to a life of slavery They're gonna punish you for what you've done, yeah Got hot liquids and opposable thumbs, yeah. Crazy monkeys, <laughs> crazy monkeys, crazy monkeys, <laughs> crazy monkeys. There's a revolution in your coffee shop. The Reese's and Anistas are never gonna stop. You paid them peanuts and you took the rest. Now they're gonna pelt you with their monkey mess. Putting monkeys in adverts is subconscious nepotism. Feel the heat as they hurl their angry monkey cheers. Crazy monkeys, crazy monkeys, everybody, crazy monkeys, crazy monkeys, just the mandrills, crazy monkeys. Christian Ryan, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. That is the only song in the world that rhymes nepotism with monkeyism. Definitely. That is the first time that has happened. Uh, anyway, that's uh, nearly the end of the show. We'll, we'll do our adverts ourselves. There's one more opportunity to see As It Occurs To Me live this year. That's back at the Bloomsbury on the 1st of November. Uh, buy your tickets now. It might be the last AI Ottoman. AI Ottoman. So do try and come along if you can. And if no one comes, it will be the last one. <laughs> uh, my DVD, Hit the Moustache, is out this week. You can buy it in the shops. Go to www.gofasterstripe.com and you'll get an exclusive disc of extras. It's much better to get it there. Uh, and you can get an AI to my CD there as well and hear about the, uh, the Burger King toilets uh, six times. Uh, and uh, there's details of my Chrysler bike tour at www.richardherring.com. Well, that is the end of another brilliant show. There will uh, be no, hi, nothing sorry, uh, sorry, excuse me. Um... Some unexpected guests arriving at page 20. That is unexpected. Hi. Yeah, we're from a big advertising company, Sachi and Sachi. Oh, isn't it Sachi and Sachi? Oh, no, no, that's a different one. Ours is called Sachi and Sachi. I'm Ian Sachi. And I'm his sister, Iana Sachi. <laughs> and uh, we've got quite a proposal for you. Yeah, don't think we haven't noticed that things have been going yeah, pretty well for you lately. Well, you know, I've been doing my, I've been working oh. my hardest. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, after quite a few years of muddling along, getting nowhere, suddenly it's Richard Herring's year. I wouldn't say that. I mean, it's become yeah, I mean, managing genius. director of Vault Information Science. <laughs> I mean, we can work with someone like you. Oh, hold on. I think you I might have got me confused. Hey, how would you like to earn £100,000 for one afternoon's work? Well, if, you know, if VIS will give me the day off from, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> Whatever I do, the man I direct. See, we've got a there. brand new product that we think is going to be a smash. It's, it's going to take someone of your calibre to convince the British public that it's what they need. What? What's the thing? Well, I'm glad you asked. Lunch, Lunch marmalade. marmalade. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, you heard us. Marmalade for lunch. It's the it's the next big thing. Big clumps of marmalade in individual serving packages. <laughs> suck the marmalade right out of the opening. Yeah. Or pour it into your hand and lap it up like a cat. A cat that likes marmalade. All that the busy go-getting managing director needs at lunch. Mm. Yeah, do you want to try some? Lunch marmalade is just like Johnny Vaughan predicted. Yeah, like, yeah, the uh, whole, uh, yeah, the whole breakfast biscuit thing that was just made up by us in order to put the idea of lunch marmalade into people's that is, heads. That's the only thing I remember yeah. from the advert. Yeah, that's right, and here it is. Lunch marmalade, it does exactly what it says on the top bit of the packaging that says lunch marmalade. That's the slogan. Yeah. Lunch marmalade, it does exactly what it says on the top bit of the packaging that says lunch marmalade. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Lunch good. marmalade, what, what, do you, what do you think? Eat it! <laughs> nice, mm, yeah, it's delicious. It, it is quite marmalade, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, remember, it is going to feel a little bit odd now because yeah. it's about 9.30 p.m. Yeah, I mean, lunch, lunch marmalade at supper marmalade. time. What's next? Breakfast biscuits at tea time. Oh. <laughs> hey, that's, that's good. Write that down because yeah, we can use that next campaign. We try and get people to eat biscuits at tea time. No, no, that's what you can never get biscuits at tea time. That's ridiculous. Anyone, I'm not sure about this. After all I've said about advertising, you know, I wouldn't be selling out. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you want an obscene amount of money or not? You know, it's much easier to oppose adverts when no one's offering you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you uh, sign here. Now, uh, the ad is set in a fake radio studio. Yeah, a fake radio studio. Yeah. yeah, we're on course to win a little wager. Um, you're doing a show with Andrew Collins, I don't know if you know. Uh, you're eating a sandwich. And you're getting mayonnaise everywhere. everywhere. You look like a twat. But Collins has a sachet of marmalade. I'm not sure. Shouldn't I be the one eating the well, lunch marmalade? Well, the money. Think of the money. Think of the money. It's a lot of money. I just, I think it begins, I don't know if I can do it. Can I think about it? I've got until oh, sure. November the 1st, the next show. Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll think, I'm going to stay strong. Though. Sure. You know, I do have to say, though, I, the thing is, I really like this product, genuinely. I mean, it is something that I would endorse for no money at all. And, you know, I would be, I'd be helping everyone who works in the... British marmalade industry. You'd be a hero, a hero of the British Marmalade Association. I'll definitely give it some thought till the next show. Anyway, see everyone, thanks for coming, bye! As the guest me, it was written and performed by Richard Hayward, Dan Tessie, and me, to keep the new band. Richard Riley did all the news with it. It was produced by Ben Thanks to Damien Caldwell, Matt and everyone at the Lesson Square Theatre. Special thanks to Orange Market, British Comedy Guide, this is the Avalon Sky Potato Post Production. Thank you.